Welcome to another PA Policy Podcast. I am your host, Jason Gottesman, the spokesperson for the Pennsylvania House Republican Caucus. We are also joined by Neil Lesher, who is the Communications Director and Policy Advisor for the House Preparations Committee. Neil, welcome to uh, your first PA Policy Podcast. Uh, well, Neil has to pass a uh, rite of passage here, uh, drinking from the Taylor Swift mug that is found in PA House Republican Studios, uh, radio studios. It's uh, quite the uh, quite quite the little adventure. You're adding a lot of color here. I like that. Right. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, we've uh, we've uh, this week been uh, dealing with uh, the repercussions from uh, a new statewide mandate handed down by the governor this week, more appropriately, the Secretary of Health, requiring all K through 12 students uh, and school personnel, as well as daycare or childcare facilities, to wear masks. Not such a good thing. No, and it's it's a complete flip-flop, right? I mean, for the last year, the governor has been consistent in, and it's actually one of the few things I think that we've agreed with him on, he's been consistent on saying local school boards should have the ability to set their own policy, to make decisions that are best for their own school districts. And out of nowhere, he completely flip-flops, takes back control, presumably because he didn't agree with the decisions that were being made locally. But I think it's just, it's concerning. In Pennsylvania is definitely a place where people favor local control. We have independently elected school boards. And for the governor to just usurp their power is concerning. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we've been happy about is that over the last 16, 18 months, the House Republican Caucus, I believe, has been the leaders in fighting for that local control. I, I find it interesting that the very people now who are saying it's important we keep the schools open and masks are part of that are the same people who last year were talking about the need to shut schools down and that people just basically needed to suck it up. When we were saying we need to get kids in school, they have finally come around to the same arguments that we have. But you know, those who once have had power are terribly afraid of losing it. And I think that's part of what's going into this decision is that for so long there has been a certain uh, portion of Pennsylvania that is just not going to be doing anything until the governor tells them to do it. They want to be told what to do. And that's really who I think he caved to, because there's certainly a lot of Pennsylvania and a lot of communities across Pennsylvania that have been exercising this local control in a way that has actually made sense. They've taken input from teachers and parents and, and students and families and community members and doctors and lawyers about what they should be doing. And many have decided to keep masks optional or before the governor's decision. Some decided to have masks based upon what fits their local communities. And I think that speaks to two things. One, or as you said, Neil, our role as a commonwealth, which really is a, a group of local communities coming together for the local good to be governed by a state. But really, it's 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 a power inherent in local governments. Um, and we can get into, actually, it's a state that gives power to local governments. And then local governments then give that power to the state. But... That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, that's something that's much more boring. And, you know, I spent an entire semester in law school trying to figure out myself. But, but on, on top of that, you know, you have this idea that this virus has impacted communities much differently. Sullivan County has had just over 300 cases. Philadelphia County, these are confirmed cases, not confirmed and improbable. Philadelphia County has had something like 155,000. Very different. Cameron County, just over 200 cases. You have Pittsburgh with over 86,000 cases in Allegheny County. Two different impacts, and now we have a one-size-fits-all solution for how to deal with that. doesn't make much sense. Yeah, and I think, I mean, the number one frustration that we're hearing from both parents and school directors is 
you know, for the last several months, schools have been preparing for what is now the third consecutive school year where schools and children and teachers are dealing with the effects of COVID. And who would have thought we'd be here? But the governor said, it's up to you, local control, come up with a plan that works for your community. And they did that, right? They talked to local doctors, they, they consulted with the experts, and they came up with plans that worked for their school district. And here we are this week where it's for most school districts, I think this is the first week that they're in school, and all of a sudden the game gets changed. And the governor comes down with a new mandate, and schools are now scrambling to figure out how do they comply with this mandate. This was not the plan that they came up with, and it's just creating chaos for a lot of families and students and schools. And I think what's, what's, what's even more concerning for schools is now having made these decisions, and you have most school districts that went and decided to be mask optional, now they're put in the position of having to enforce this mask mandate at the school level. So you have schools who made the decision to basically say, masks are optional, that's how we're going to be going, and now they're the ones who have to basically punish students and uh, punish families as a result of if they want to make the decision to send their kid to school without masks, that kid will likely be subject to detention or whatever penalty the school has, or even not even allowed in the school building itself. And on top of that, the schools themselves, if they do not comply with the statewide mandate now, there's some federal funding that's at risk. Uh, there's, you know, schools at the beginning of last year signed an attestation, many of them, to stay open, and that, that attestation required them to follow public health orders. So they, they might even be at risk of being shut down if they're in violation of that attestation. So this now comes with, you know, real penalties that are directed now at the schools uh, and at the students and, and really has deprived families and local communities of any choice in these decisions. Well, look, we've been at this for what, 18 months? And I thought this week that maybe there couldn't be a more cringeworthy press conference than what our president Joe Biden was giving us, but then step in Tom Wolf and he gives this press conference, which again is virtual now. Yeah, because he's transparent. He's transparent, so he doesn't invite the press to his press conferences. He couldn't even answer basic questions about this new mandate, right? There were a lot of reporter questions about what's the enforcement mechanism for this mandate, and he couldn't answer. He just kept putting it, well, you know, we were counting on school boards to enforce this. Well, the school boards are the people that you're putting this new mandate on. So they're, they're expected to enforce the mandate that you're putting on them. I think it's clear that even he doesn't believe that he has the authority to do this. It'll be interesting to see how the courts react to this over the next couple weeks and months. But, you know, it's just it's a confusing step all around. Yeah. And, and certainly this is something where, you know, look, the House of Representatives has been the voice of the people some from the beginning of the pandemic, the people who, you know, value choice uh, in their personal decision making. They value uh, individual freedom and liberty. And frankly, they're the, they're the people who want government to just sort of stay out of the way and leave them to their own decisions. And we've been continually standing up for them. And I think that as we, uh, we progress here, we are going to be put in a place where we're going to be rapidly responding for those people to make sure that they know that they have people in state government who are looking out for them and that we're not going to take this sort of dictatorial decisions coming from the governor or the secretary of health. Now, that opinion has been backed up recently by a number of editorials, one today in the Altoona Mirror, one yesterday in the Lewistown Sentinel, others running across the state, basically saying that these local decisions should have been paramount from, from the beginning. 
Um, it says it's because one-size-fits-all policies are rarely helpful and can often backfire. It's because the people making local decisions are usually local people who are much more familiar with the local area. So that's from today's Altoona Mirror editorial entitled Governor Wolf Oversteps His Bounds. And that's sort of what we've been saying and said last week when the governor wrote to us asking the General Assembly to come back in a session and pass a mask mandate. Right. And I think that's an important point. I mean, this is I said earlier, we're 18 months into this thing. We're all informed. We know what the consequences of COVID are. We know we've all studied up on the science. We've been living with this now for, like I said, 18 months. And I think that we're at a point where people can make the best decisions for themselves, for their families, for their kids. We don't need one person making all the decisions for all of us. And, and it seems like the governor can't let go of that. Yeah, and what we've, we've said last week when we said we're not coming back to do this is that not that we're anti-mask, we're anti-mandate. If people want to have their kids go to, to school with their mask on, they should be able to do that. If school districts want to say, you know, COVID's really bad in our particular area, we would prefer people wear masks, they can make that decision. It shouldn't be a one-size-fits-all, uh, Pennsylvania-shaped cookie-cutter approach to these sorts of decisions. I think it's also important to remember that this decision came, you know, weeks after many of these school boards made their decisions. I mean, certainly more school boards, I believe, decided to go have masks optional or conditional than decided to mandate masks. But, you know, the governor basically just said, we don't like the decision of the majority of school boards, so we're going to do our own thing. That's not how government really should be working. What's curious about this whole thing is it seems as though, well, it doesn't seem as though, the governor did cave to PSEA, the teachers union. And what I think what they're not seeing, you know, the trees through the forest, if you will, or the forest through the trees, whatever, however that saying goes. Something like that. Sayings are yeah. important here. It's Sayings are important. With this new edict coming out, how many parents are going to decide to now enroll their kid in a cyber charter school, which which goes in complete in the complete opposite direction of what PSCA wants, right? That's that's more kids getting diverted into cyber charter schools to get a high quality education without having to deal with masks and mandates and all this other stuff, right? They have more freedom at home doing cyber charter schools. And I'm not really sure that the teachers union has thought that completely through. Well, no, and, I, and it was interesting that a day before he made this announcement, the governor got a letter from seven or eight different interest groups, uh, some of them teachers' unions, some of them, I believe, like uh, the NAACP, saying that he needs to issue a mask mandate. So the, the mask mandate came a day after his core constituency urged him to do that. And I thought it was also interesting that the day he announced the mask mandate, he announced it at 2 o'clock by 4.30 p.m., cyber charter schools were already running digital ads right. saying, we don't have masks here. Yeah. And uh, you, you can make a good Twitter meme, you know, shot chaser. I'll leave that in your hands. Right. Well, you know that you're, you're the meme guy, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm, I'm a gift guy. You're a meme guy. Well, you kind of do both. We, we all have our talents. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more about memes these days than I ever have. Uh, but it's meme season. But that's that's where we are as a commonwealth in that. People aren't thinking through the actual long-term consequences of their decisions. And, you know, I love how the other side says this is all about the kids. You know, keep the kids safe. Keep the kids, you know, they, they, nowhere were they saying the same thing when they were falling a year plus behind in their education or having social issues at home because they don't have school sports or when uh, the governor stopped in-home inspections of uh, child care facilities and foster care homes. Uh, and all of a sudden, it's, it's pearl clutching about saving the children when for the last previous 16 months before this mask mandate came out, these were the same people who were lockstep behind a governor who 
and an administration that did everything they could to possibly stand in the way of the development, advancement, and protection of children uh, as a result of COVID. Yeah, there was a, uh, a prominent, I'll, I'll just leave it at this, a prominent liberal commentator. She posted the other day on Twitter that masks are for kids are important to be able to keep our restaurants and bars open and, and linked to an article about how bars and restaurants are still struggling with their revenue. And I thought, man, that is an awful take, right? Let's sabotage our children so that we can continue to go to the bar. Where are we as a society? You know, I just, and I don't even think it occurs to her when she says things like that, how twisted that is. Well, I also heard somebody on the conservative side say that schools should just have their classes at the cafeteria since COVID can't hurt somebody while you're eating lunch at, at school and they get people to take their masks off. So uh, if, if, it's, if it's the uh, food table that's going to keep kids safe, why not we just do class there instead of having to wear masks? Well, and I also question, okay, ha- have you seen anything that PSEA or any of these school groups have done to help faculty uh, and other staff at these schools get vaccinated? Well, no, and, you know, it's interesting that the administration themselves said if we could have forced all teachers to get vaccinated, we would have. Right. So, the, the, you know, there's, I think teacher vaccination or school educator vaccination rates are like 80 percent, but there's still 20 percent of teachers who aren't vaccinated. You know, I think we said from the very beginning, and this is where the governor was up until this week, that the responsible thing to do is for people to get vaccinated. Totally agree. You know, there is uh, look, there are some kids who can't get vaccinated. But if the, the data and the science and uh, the, the facts mean anything, it's that. While children can get COVID and they have gotten COVID, the death and hospitalization rates are much, much lower than everybody else. Uh, There is a much lower likelihood of serious illness as a result of COVID in young people. And um, this virus has affected them much, much more differently. I remember reading an article in The New Yorker earlier this year that said uh, it was literally entitled, The Kids Are All Right, and dove into the deep science behind uh, children and schools and masks and COVID and basically was like, this was mass hysteria that was not meted out in the data. And this reporter uh, is no conservative, by the way. Uh, I, I know the reporter uh, well from having dealt with him in the, in, in the media in the course of my job. No conservative. And that was where they came out on. And it was very interesting uh, to read read that, again, backed up by data, science, facts, and medical experts. But there you go talking about actual science, and you forget that we're living in political science. Well, that's a good thing, Neil, because I majored in political science. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> uh, Neil, thanks for joining. Look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, and this has been another PA Policy Podcast, and you can uh, find this at uh, pahousegop.com slash mypodcasts and uh, wherever your local podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Thank you for having me.